Hey there. Welcome to the Anchor Point Church podcast. We're so glad that you're here with us. We are a group of people in New Tecumseh, Ontario, who are doing our best to follow Jesus in the everyday, ordinary stuff of life. Our vision is simple, in Alliston as it is in heaven. So whether you're here checking us out for the first time or are already a member of our church family, we hope and pray that this message, which is rooted and grounded in the scriptures, would encourage you, console you, and build you up, and most of all, would point you to Jesus and the vision he has for his kingdom. Bless you. Arkansas is probably, uh, it's one of the poorest states in the United States. It's one of the least educated. Um, and so for somebody from Arkansas to even make it to Canada, I was talking to Jen on the way out. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And I think God has a sense of humor. And um, But God is doing lots of things around the globe. And um, I, don't, I don't know if you've noticed over the last couple of years, but there's just been, I know you're in a Holy Spirit series, like where you're just learning more about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is moving like in dramatic ways. I mean, the world really did get flipped upside down during COVID. I, I don't know what it was like for you guys, but for us, like, um, Christians be crazy. Like, I, I'm not going to lie to you, man. They were, um, they were fighting with each other, and they were just, I mean, they were going wild. And um, there was just a season where, I mean, Jen and I, like, we went into this deep discouragement, like of just what was going on in the, in the world. And then over the course of time, though, what, what I've seen is people like kind of moving from place to place and God reordering and kind of recentering the church like at large, like COVID was like this global reset. And some of that's really painful because like um, we had to say goodbye to some people we loved. But then the, the flip side of that was the reality that, that there is this massive opportunity now that the church is like kind of getting back to its roots a little bit. Like I, I see these pockets of life kind of breaking out all over the world. These small groups of people that are committed to purity and committed to living life together and saying, hey, listen, we're not here to put on a show, but we want to see Jesus glorified. We want to live out life together as the church. And that's what I've witnessed as I've been with you all this weekend Um Spent some time with some leaders last night, and it was holy ground just to witness the power of God at work in your leaders. And I don't know if you know that, but it's a gift to have really good leaders. And this church has healthy leaders and good leaders. And so that that sets you on a really healthy trajectory. And and Jen said that this church matters. I couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, I believe that God has new things for you in the future. I believe in, in, in a real way he's catalyzing you and positioning you to, to really grow in this season. But this church matters because this city matters to God, like that he's actually uh, has a plan for this church. Like um, That means he owns this church and he actually takes responsibility for this church. And we're going to be talking a little bit about spiritual gifts today. That also means that um, he's going to give you every single thing that you need to accomplish the things that he's called you to do. Like we were singing 
and talking about his generosity. And when we think about the Holy Spirit, that's God's generosity poured out on his spirit over and over by his power. So uh, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today. I don't know if you have a Bible. I know the passage will probably be on the screen. And over the last few years, I've gone back to a, a book from the 1990s by a man named Jack Deere called Surprised by the Voice of God. Anybody heard of Jack Deere before? Yeah. Okay. Um, Jack Deere was a seminary professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. Um, and he basically, like, this was like one of the, this is a place for smart people, <laughs> not like me, you know, not the folks from Arkansas, but like, like the really heady, brainy kinds of people that are out there. Um, and they basically didn't believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for today. It was basically like their trinity was Father, Son, and Holy Bible. I don't know if you've ever met folks like that. But, I mean, yeah. So we love the Word. We honor the Word. But really, I mean, the Holy Spirit is what makes the church alive and active. And he, in his book, he talks about a friend that he had. And he would stand up uh, in, in many rooms like this and many conferences around the country. And he would... Ask people, I'm not going to ask you to do this, but I want you to think about this question. You would ask people to, to raise their hand if you know your calling and the reason that you're on planet Earth. And it didn't matter if there were a thousand people in the room or a hundred people in the room or 50 people in the room. About 10% of the hands would go up and say, I think I know what my calling is. I think I know why uh, God's put me on this planet. And that includes like things like spiritual gifts and maybe how to use them. Um, and then he would ask a, a different question. He would say, of that 10%, how many actually um, believe that they're walking that out? And then like 10% of that would come up. So I'm not a math major. I, I didn't go to college, so bear with me. I think that's, that, that would mean like 1% of people actually understand their gifts and their callings and the reason that they're on the planet. And I've been in pastoral ministry for about 20 years, and we work on a lot of this kind of stuff, like at my church, and so I would say that's probably about accurate. Somewhere in that 1% of people range feel really confident about who God's made them to be, about their spiritual gifts. And so what I want to help us do this morning is to take a little bit of a step forward. How do we get from like 1% of the body? Because um, could you think about a physical body that was working at 1%? Yeah, like you, you wouldn't be alive. So, but for, for Christ's body on earth, for 1% to know what their role is and how they're supposed to function together, right? No, no wonder there's more of the mission to be had. So how do we take a, a heart posture? Like I'm going to talk about some things that we just have to believe like on the foundational, convictional kind of level. How do we move from like 1% to 100%? Because that's God's goal and his desire. So I have a couple of goals this morning. The first one is that every person in this room, follower of Jesus or soon-to-be follower of Jesus, would understand the way that God's wired you, the way that he's gifted you, and that you would begin to have some concrete ways to walk in the gifts that he's given you. Um, and then secondarily, um, and I think this is probably even more important, that you would help somebody else in this room walk in their calling, yeah. right? Because. Um, yeah, we're not just a family, but we're a body, and we're connected together. And uh, as a father of five, we had a couple of kids that were uh, into choir. So how many of you have ever been to, like, a junior high choir event? All right? Uh, it can either be the most beautiful thing or the most painful thing on the planet. Right? Um, because in junior high, like, some of the kids, like, 
they don't really want to be there. Um, they're kind of like awkward in their skin. Seventh grade boys, like their voice is changing, like into all different kinds of octaves. And if, if, if people are not in sync and not in harmony, like it can be one of the most painful things in the world. But when a choir, every, you know, and I don't know a lot about music, but the sopranos and the altos and the tenors and the basses, they all begin to play their part. Like, it's beautiful, yeah, right? Good. And that's what the church is meant to be, is this beautiful song that's sung by the Spirit of God through the, the, the people of God so that we can make Jesus known. So how do we begin to take steps forward in living out our gifting and calling? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> the first thing that uh, I think you have to be convinced of is that every single person, every person has a part to play in both serving the church, like here, like in your life together as a church family, in a church body, and everybody has a part to play in our call to see the kingdom come in the world and to see Jesus glorified and magnified. Like every single person has a part to play. So I get that idea from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have a Bible or it should be on the screen, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 11. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to, the, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Right? It's the word of the Lord. Like, this is what God says about his church. Everybody has a part to play. Everyone has been given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good so that the body can be built up. Now, listen, if there was ever a church that it would have been the right thing to say, hey, let's just forget about the whole spiritual gifts thing. Like it would have been the Corinthians. I don't know how much you know about them, um, but these people were buck wild, man. Um, they were crazy. Uh, they were fighting with each other. Just things that I can't really say out loud without blushing that was taking place in this church. I mean, and they thought they were the most spiritually gifted, most mature people on the planet, right? And, and, and instead of just saying, hey, we're, we're, we're not going to deal with all these spiritual gifts because they're too controversial or you guys, like, you just don't know how to play nice, so we're not going to play at all. Um, Paul doesn't say that. No, he says, I'm going to teach you the right way to use the gifts that God has given to you. So the, the first thing is, there's no such thing as an ungifted Christian. So if you place your faith in Jesus, no matter what you, your self-view is or your identity, there's no such thing as an ungifted Christian. Verse 7 says, To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That means that every single person has been gifted by God to play a unique role inside the church body and to see the kingdom of God go forward in the world. There's no such thing as an ungifted Christian. So when he talks about a manifestation of the Spirit, we're talking about how, how do we manifest or make visible 
Jesus's glory and his power and his goodness and his kindness. Like sometimes people think that the gifts are about drawing attention to you. It's not at all. It's to, to shine a spotlight on just how beautiful and how magnificent Jesus is. So it's really important that we all use the gifts that God has given us so that the whole world knows how beautiful he is, right? Yeah, so every we have a manifestation of the Spirit so that every person can do the work. Now, one of the obstacles I think that I've, I've come in, into contact with when it comes to spiritual gifts is like, what if you think somebody else already has the same gift as you, right? Um, and like maybe they're better at it than you are. Like I mean, there's lots of people that I, I think I have similar gifts, and like I get around them and I get a little intimidated. I was like, I'm not really quite on their level. Yeah. Um, and we think that only like in the church that maybe only the most gifted people should use their gifts, right? right? And our predominant, you know, and I, I kind of hate that I'm doing this in the sense because like our predominant view of church is almost like a person on a stage. You know, but yeah, I mean, this is part of it. Like we we teach, we teach and we learn, and that's vital. Um, but if this were all that there were, like this would be a really incomplete picture of what Jesus is like. So we want to live life together and be connected in such a way that we can make Jesus visible. Now, all right, be honest. How many of you are going to watch the Super Bowl today? All right. How many of you are confident in what's going on in the game? <laughs> All right, I, I'm, I'm coming to your house. Like we're gonna hang out. Now you're excited for the Super Bowl, but like besides the fact that Taylor Swift is gonna be there, right? Which is amazing. Um, <laughs> it is. You don't have to hate. It's okay. Like, you know? Yeah, we love Taylor at our house. We have lots of teenage girls, um, or one teenage girl, one twenty-something that loves Taylor Swift. Um, but the, the general consensus, if it's the Super Bowl or a Maple Leafs game, is that only the most gifted people get to play the game, and everybody else is kind of a spectator, right? That's not a healthy view. What God wants to do is to put his glory on display through you in your real relationships, like in your neighborhood, in your community groups, as you go to the office and you commute. Every one of you have been given a manifestation of the Spirit to make Jesus visible. And that's why, I mean, it's this crazy statement in the Gospel of John that where, where Jesus says, it's actually better that I go because I'm going to send a helper to you. And then instead of just having Jesus in one place, I mean, having Jesus present is pretty amazing. But he's limited to one time and one place, like on this parcel of land known as Israel, right? But now, because the Spirit has come, or there's these little individual manifestations to make visible the person and the work of Jesus. So, when I, when I think about spiritual gifts, there's a couple of ways to do this. Wayne Grudem, he's a theologian kind of guy. He, he defines a spiritual gift as any ability, both natural and supernatural, that are empowered by the Spirit. So... I don't know that we often think of our natural gifts, but think about it for just one moment. Like, I want you to look around the room. Like, look at the other people that are around you. Like, I don't know all of your jobs. I don't know all of the skills that you have. But if, if for the next week, you aligned your lives in such a way that you used all the natural gifts that you have 
to make Jesus known? Like, what would that be like? Just that, right? We're not even talking about, I mean, this, this passage is talking about tongues and prophecy and miracles and healing. But if you just use the, you know, people that, that are good with money and people that are good with strategy and people that are good with communication, he said, we're going to use everything that we have this week to align our lives and our schedules and our gifts to make Jesus known. Like, that's the church. Like that's, that's his desire. So take all of your natural gifting, but then everyone in this room has natural gifting because you've been made in the image of God. I don't know if you think about that, but his fingerprints are on you. Like he made, he created you on purpose. Um, he gave you both your strengths, and sometimes we don't even think about this. He also gave you your weaknesses. You thought about that? He made, the, he made us to have weaknesses so that we could actually connect with other people. Like if we all had all the gifts, like we would just kind of live in individual silos, but we actually need one another. So if we align everything together, we have this opportunity to make Jesus known in Alliston, and I think the city would never be the same. Verse 11 says, all of these are empowered by the same Spirit. And my wife and I, we... We really have come on this trip, I think, in a sense of weakness. Uh, she injured her shoulder like a, uh, in, at the end of December, and it's really been aggravating her to the point where I mean, she's not been sleeping at night. And you may be in a season where you feel like you're really weak right now, but it's in our weakness that his powers display. Yeah. Yeah. So using spiritual gifts, the prerequisite is not that you feel strong all the time. It's actually that you see your need and I we need to be empowered by the Spirit because, listen, apart from Him, like, I'm probably not even getting up out of bed. Like, I'm not going to lie to you, you know? Like, I, my wife always jokes I can sleep like a teenager, you know? I mean, we need the Spirit of God, and to be able to make Jesus known in a way that's understandable to people, we need His power to come and to be put on display. I also want to talk to you just a little bit about Maybe like a, a, a dirty, unspoken secret, maybe in church world. Can I tell you what it is? Yeah. A lot of times Christians are bored. You know what I'm saying? Yeah? yeah. Yes. Because, like, if all you do is, like, come in this room and, like, sing a couple of songs every once in a while and listen to somebody teach, um, and this is kind of the measure of your Christianity. Like, it's pretty boring, honestly. Like, there's better things in the world that it can offer you, you know? Um, John Wimber, I don't know how many of you have heard John Wimber, right? Uh, he's one of my theological heroes. Um, he really has a, a way of helping people understand. It's where the, the phrase, everyone has a part to play, came from. He was a music producer. He didn't follow Jesus from the womb. Like some people are just kind of born into the kingdom. That was not him at all. He was a producer of the Righteous Brothers, Unchained Melody, Top Gun. You never close your eyes anymore. When I kiss your lips. Come on. There's no tenderness. Like you. All right. Anyway. So he produced that song. And then someone began to share Jesus with him. And he made his way, he placed his faith in Jesus and he made his way into a church and basically this is how he described church. He's like, there, there was some bad singing going on. Um, <laughs> which your singing is amazing. Like that has nothing to do with you guys. But like there was some, you know, the, the guy was kind of, but he's used to the Righteous Brothers, right? And then 
you know, there was some guy that got up and, you know, taught some things. And he basically pulled someone aside and he said, uh, hey, uh, when do we get to do this stuff? And they said, what do you mean do this stuff? He's like, well, I've been reading this book. And in here there's miracles and healings and it looks like there's evil that's being dealt with. And it really seems like the world gets turned upside down by this Jesus guy. And he said, oh. he said, when do we get to do this stuff? And he's like, oh, we don't do that stuff anymore. <laughs> like, we just get up and talk about it, right? And that can be our default setting, right? Like, we can talk about it, or you can add some theological meaning to what it means to have miracles. But when we're talking about, we're following a guy that was raised from the dead, yeah. right? When we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is powerfully at work in everyone that believes. So, like... I've talked to Tom, and I've talked to Jess, and I've talked to the leaders of this church. This is a church where they want you to do the stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. They want you to like go out from here in faith and to begin to step and to walk into all the goodness that God has for you. Let's go. Yeah, so to do the stuff. Um, using the gifts and the way that God's wired you. And this is, a good, this is a good way to think about it, all right? If you're empowered by the Spirit. Uh, has anybody seen the movie Spinal Tap in here? Okay, it's cool. This this is homework. If you've not seen Spinal Tap, you should watch Spinal Tap. It's amazing. So there's this scene in there where there's a, a music guy, and he asks what his secret is, and he says he turns up his amplifier to 11. Like, most of the rest of them go to 10, but this one goes to 11. Um, what God wants from you is your 11, yeah. right? So whatever it looks like for you to be turned up to 11. Now, my 11's probably, you know, because I'm from the South, like we're a little bit more animated. My 11's a little different maybe than your 11. But God does want your 11. Yeah. You know, he wants everything that you have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So, but our, our default, and this is like our, our flesh or... Our unbiblical thinking is to underestimate the gifts that God has given us. And maybe even we diminish them. And if there was a point to repent, for some of us, it's to to say, listen, we've made too little of the the fact that you've deposited the Holy Spirit in us. Yeah, And we we want to believe that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. We want to believe that the image of God actually is flowing and living through us. So we want to repent of believing that God can't use us or God won't use us. Like, he's more willing to use us more often than we're willing to be available. So he wants to kind of just stir that up this morning. Um, Our default setting is maybe he probably, he can use me, but he probably won't. But the reality is he's wanting to make Jesus visible in our midst. Romans 12 Verse 6 says this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So the emphasis, no matter where you are on the spiritual gifts, like journey or track, whatever revelation you have about that, the emphasis in Scripture is to use it, yes. like to put it into practice. And the Spirit, you know, I know this is. Know this church is really strong in this, like in, in practices. Like you can't just talk about the thing and like actually grow in the thing, but you actually have to put it into practice. And so, 
Um, I was thinking about that this week for you guys. I mean, community group is a beautiful place to do that. Like, it's a place where people know you and love you like family. And you get to try out things with one another. You get to try out your gifts. Um, but you start in the kingdom by doing things. And then oftentimes, too, another, like, I would say a, a speed bump or a barrier to using spiritual gifts oftentimes is the, is the fact that um, you really believe that you should change the world by yourself, right? So we try to come up with these huge, massive initiatives that'll change the city. And listen, I'm all for that. Like, there may be people in here that you get a vision from God today that, that solves all of the problems of Allison. But most likely what's going to happen is you're going to leave here and you're going to go back to your everyday ordinary life and God wants you to use your use your gifts in these small pockets of yeah. your family and your schools and your workplaces and all of those things yeah. and to do for a few people what you wish you could do for everybody mm-hmm. like that's how ministry grows like doing just a few things yeah. for a few people yeah. with like gospel intentionality and empowered by the Spirit and watch Him work. And that's how ministry grows. So do for a few people what you wish you could do for everyone. So your gifts are for everyone's benefit. It's for the common good. But you can only truly discover your own gifts when you're connected to other people. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to read verses 14 through 18. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would this be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged... The members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So every one of you has been brought here. This is your church family. Or if you're looking in to find a church family, there's room for you here. And the only way that you find out who you were created to be is to be in a loving relationship with other people. Now, as North Americans, like we... Typically, yeah, that was good, because I always say Americans, right? Um, North Americans. You, when you come to a passage like 1 Corinthians chapter 12, like it's almost like, like if you get tagged in Instagram, like you want to go look for yourself in the photo, you know? And really, this church was having a lot of division and fighting. And the way that Paul was actually solving the problem was to say, hey, listen, I want you to be convinced that you actually need one another. It's not okay for the foot to be over here and not doing anything and not be connected to the rest of the body. Or it's not okay for the eye to be over here and not be connected. It's like you actually can't be a body without loving relationships with one another. So um, it's not in a, it's not a inappropriate to come to 1 Corinthians 12 to look for yourself in the in the photo, right? I mean, people love, like in my church, like one of their favorite things to do is like I always get asked for like a spiritual gifts test because people love to learn about themselves. And that's good. But I think why 1 Corinthians 12 is in the body is so that you can notice the gifts 
in other people and call out the gifts in other people. And we're going to make some room to do that this morning. So we actually need one another on a very foundational level. And a body is only healthy when each part, you read this in chapter 13, builds itself up in love. So the more that you're connected and loving relationships, the more that you can become a healthy body. So I want to begin to help you start to bring this home, okay? So I've talked about just these big ideas of what it looks like. But how do you know where you're gifted? So I'll ask you a series of questions. One place to begin to discover where you're gifted is what do I actually see? Like, what are the needs that I see? Because I promise you the needs that you see, like it may be blatantly obvious to you that like, hey, there's a hole right there in what we're doing. And someone should do something about that hole, right? But most of the time what I've discovered in church life and ministry is that if you see the hole, like God wanted you to see the hole and you're probably the answer to that hole. Does that make sense? So whatever you see is a gift from God, but it's not so that you can kind of sit back and I'm just like, hey man, these folks really need to get it together because there's a hole over here. It's, no, it's like, no, God's saying, it's like a spotlight. He's saying, listen, we need you in this place to fill this hole, right? And some of the holes are like amazing um, and they're like really brilliant, like kind of ministries that, you know, just everyone would want to do. But then there's also like, holes in ministries that aren't very fun to do, that aren't glamorous, that are kind of like behind the scenes kinds of thing. And what I've seen is like, you, you get entrusted with those small things and then and the big things. So yeah, what 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 do you see? What do you see in, in your city? Like where, where do you see the needs? Because the needs that you see may be different than the needs that someone else sees. Um, yeah, oftentimes the reason people aren't as bothered by things as you are is because they don't see it, yeah, right? Good, yeah. So, yeah, so it's important for us to just always be dialoguing. What, what is it that you're seeing? Where, where are the needs inside the body? Where are the needs inside of our city? So what do I see? Second question, what makes me angry? <laughs> all right, listen, not all angry is bad, right? Not all angry. There's a lot of bad anger, and we see that a lot. But Acts chapter 6, you guys know that? Like there's... This group of widows that are being neglected, they're from their Greek-speaking widows, and there's Jewish widows, and the Greek-speaking widows are neglected and overlooked, um, and, and there's a pretty big uproar, like, in the early church, but it's because someone saw injustice going on, and immediately, I'm sure that was, like, really uncomfortable for them to see and to experience, but what happened was, out of that, like, Church leadership structures were deformed. There were people that were giving themselves to God's word and to prayer. And then there were deacons that were raised up to take care of certain kinds of needs. And the mission of the church goes forward. And a lot of times church conflict can do that. Like it can say, okay, listen, we need to realign and reallocate our resources in such a way that we're able to accomplish this thing. So what makes you angry? Where do you see injustice in your world? Right? God uses those things to stir us up so that we can move towards action. Next, what breaks your heart? Right? 
Pay attention to your tears. Right? Tears are gifts from God. Like, um, I don't know. I, that's for men and for women. Like, there's there's something about the way that God makes us. There's things that should make you angry, and there's also things that should make you cry. And God invites us to be a group of people to weep with those who weep. And I know that just this church, like any other church, has needs that are going on that are beyond our own ability to meet. But God wants to use you to communicate his heart. So pay attention to your tears. Is that why I can't Yeah, I hope so, yeah. Because, yeah, it's maybe giving you just a deep desire to see the church. Yeah, see the church. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so the tears, like, I think Jen and I, we were first married, and I didn't really realize it. Um, I mean, I, I grew up without a father, um, and every time, like, uh, a scene would come on a movie, there would be just a little child, like, on the, like, you know, in a, in a movie or a TV show, and it was obvious that they were abandoned and alone, and, and I would just weep, you know? One, because that was my story, but over time, what I've seen is... Um, my church is full of, like we have a men's kind of gathering and almost everyone in that room like grew up without a father mm-hmm. like of, at least of one that, yeah. that was able to lead them towards faith right. and righteousness yeah. and honestly my experience of life there's only been a handful of people that have inherited really healthy faith and that's what I love yeah. about your guys story it's beautiful mm-hmm. but, but God was giving me a heart for fatherlessness and he's given me a heart through my own experience um, of what it feels like to kind of, I, I mean, I wasn't an orphan, but I kind of had an orphan spirit about me, like where I, I felt disconnected from God and I felt disconnected from people. And so those kinds of things made me weep. And so if it's whether it's a movie or whether it's just real life suffering, pay attention to your tears. That's an indication where God has gifted you. Um, also, pay attention to what kind of stories stir your faith. You know, like some, some. I mean, I love to hear stories of um, revival and intercession. I love to hear about the Welsh revival in the 1900s and just all of the the ways that God has moved throughout church history. God uses those things to stir my faith because, listen, He hasn't changed. That's right. You know, That's right. like. The, 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 he continues to work and to move. So what kinds of stories or what kinds of books or what kinds of sermons stir faith? That's a spotlight that God might be shining on where you are gifted. We already covered this, but take, I would encourage you to do this. Like if, you, if you're serious about it, like you don't have to be, but if you are, like truly write down, where am I naturally gifted? Like where has God used me just in my life, in my career, in my family, and, and take an inventory of those and just ask God, how, how do you want to use these natural gifts that you've given me to see your kingdom go forward both inside the church and outside the church? But then uh, some of you, like, I mean, you may be varsity level here today, and you actually are one of the 1% that knows their spiritual gifts and their callings, and you're able to walk in that. Um, where are you supernaturally gifted? Like, where has God used you? Because there's a couple of things. Like, um, there's usually a cluster of gifts that God gives people. Like, so I tend, myself, tend to kind of work in 
pastorally, but also like just prophetically, like uh, expressing God's heart to people. Um, but other people, you know, they have different clusters of gifts. Sometimes it's, you know, you, you find someone like my, my good friend Brian that leads that church in Houston, and Jeremy's a cat. Like he is a brilliant like strategist. Like anything that we, if we ever talk about an idea, he's like, well, here's how we can do it, and here's how we can multiply it to the nations. Like without even thinking. And, and it's the same spirit that gives gifts to that. And, and there's different gifts in this room that God wants to, to use supernaturally. Um, so there's gifts that you may be gifted in that you'll discover. But what I'm absolutely convinced of is that if you have faith, he can give you any gift that you need in the moment. So you don't have to have, like, how would you ever figure out if you had the gift of miracles? Just somebody say it out loud. Do a miracle. Well, you have to pray for people, right? You don't know if you have it. You don't know if a miracle is going to happen until you try it out, right? And listen, that's available to everyone. And and yes, I've met people in my life where they pray for the sick and they recover more often than not. Now, we don't have the kingdom here in fullness, so that doesn't always happen. And but that doesn't mean that we don't pray. (laughs) Doesn't mean that we don't ask, we don't seek, we don't knock. So. God can give you a gift in a moment to help you to accomplish the thing that he has. So you may have never received a prophetic word in your mind or a word of knowledge or any of those kinds of things. And you may be sitting like at your cubicle tomorrow and God just drops something in your heart and your soul about the person that works next to you. One, because he loves you, but because he also loves the person that's right next to you. So he can give you gifts both in in a cluster of gifts, but also in a moment. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to close with this and we'll make some room here. I think this is kind of the bullseye. I think God wants to stir up every person in the room towards faith to, to say, I, I, I want more of your spirit. I want to be able to manifest your spirit to other people. But I think it would be a beautiful exercise of grace if you're able to point out the gifts in other people. Right? There's a, a beautiful spirit in this church of honoring. I've seen it among the leaders. So we're going to make some room. I may ask Tom if you want to come up and maybe lead this time with me. Um, just, I'm going to pray right now. That So you've been sitting for a while. So if you want to stand up and you're able, you can do that. It's okay to stretch it out. Um, let's take just a moment to stir our faith towards receiving um, just more of the Spirit. Um, we all, I believe everyone has a measure of the Spirit, but I also believe that we could all have some more, right? Yes. Yeah, so He wants to fill us, stir up our faith, and then um, we're going to have some time where we go around the room, and those of you that have been walking closely, um, God's going to put specific people on your heart that you, you want to go and point out and call out God's fingerprints on their lives so that they can be encouraged and this can be a moment where it really does catalyze you as a church to begin for every member to begin to, to do their work. So if you would like to take a posture of receiving, I like to kind of hold up my hands just in a receiving posture. I'll just pray for faith. Father, I pray that right now for every heart and every life in the room that's hungry and thirsty for you, that you would fill them to overflowing with the power of your Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I pray that you pour out the spirit of adoption 
for sons and daughters in this room to be able to call out to you, Abba, Father, for any that feel disconnected, I pray that you would bring them home. Spirit, I pray that you would cause people to be born again in this moment, to see Jesus for what he is, not a religious icon, but the ruler and the reign, the ruling and the reigning king over planet Earth. I pray that you would begin to stir fresh faith and fresh gifts. I pray that in this moment you would begin to speak to hearts about how you've gifted them and how you've wired them. I pray that you help them to step into the more that you have for them. Lord, I pray for Anchor Point. I pray that this city would be turned upside down for Jesus because of these people that you've called together in this time and in this place. I pray that you seal their calling on them. I pray that we, we call out right now for fresh faith and fresh vision and fresh hope to be your body for one another and for the city. And I also pray that you begin to just help us to point out gifts that exist in other people, that we would honor one another, honor the, the body that you have put into place, and to call out faith and hope in each other.